Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Uh, tonight we're launching our series, Back to the Future. And, and I want to invite you to come along for the journey. I think this really can be a series that is pivotal in your life. Um, I don't know if you know the story of Back to the Future. It's like my, my first teenage crush comes from Marty McFly's mum in Back to the Future. You should check that out when she's back in 1955. That's like my first teenage crush. And Marty McFly goes from the current day back to 1955. And then what happens is Marty is trying to work his way back to the present time of his life, which in fact was 1985, just as a side note. For those of us who are around for the movie, 1985 is closer to 1955 than 1985 is closer to the year 2020. Okay, hope you're still feeling good. Um, but Marty goes back to 1955 and then um, he drives a DeLorean back through time to 1985 to what was the present day. And what had happened is nothing had changed and everything had changed. Nothing had changed in that he lived in the same, you know, town and he went to the same school and he had the same parents, same siblings. Uh, nothing had changed, all the same people, the same places, the same rhythm of life. But what had changed was everything. There'd been some, some dynamic shift as he came back to the future that changed everything. And I think that's the kind of the moment we stand in. We're, as, you know, as our as society opens up again, we're going to move back into the future. We're going to pick up kind of in a way where we left off uh, in, in many ways. We, we, we're going to step back into the future and going to be the same people and maybe the same places and, and, you know, all of that same kind of feel. And it's possible to go back to business as usual without having anything changed. Or we can come back to the future, step into what's coming as our economy opens up and position for what's next. I wonder what you're planning to do. You know, as, as I talk to people and listen to people, I hear the same things over and over again. People are like, have, have thought deeply in this period and they're determined to bring change as they step back into our, you know, our, our um, economy and everything opening back up. People are saying things like, you know, I was too busy before, I'm going to go a bit slower. People were, were talking about uh, all kinds of things like slowing down and doing things differently. Um, I've, written it, I've written it here like uh, this. Um, people talking about priorities in their life and shifting their priorities in their life, changing up the pace of life. Um, uh, transforming or changing the spiritual settings in their life. People talking about those things. Less hustle, more family. Less hectic, more downtime. Uh, you know, uh, less is more, simple is better. Uh, the spiritual over the material. I'm hearing those conversations over and over and over again. I've even heard, Carol Herkham, if you're listening, it wasn't from you. I've even heard that non-hugging people are open to becoming huggers myself included. The isolation has made me like the idea of hugging people when I see them. Now, we don't know how long that kind of change is going to last, but right in this moment, there are things that we're determined to change. 
How good would it be to live more by design than driven by whatever was driving the madness of just back there? I wonder how much better that would be. How good it would be to live that way, to, to live wise in the way that we come into the next season. You know, your rhythm looks different to mine. What does the rhythm need to look like for you? How is it different to what maybe culture has set in motion for you? Um, and, then, and then this thought. I wonder if that pre-COVID buzzword, busy, which some of us wore like a badge of honour, I wonder if it becomes like a swear word when we, when we emerge from COVID in Back to the Future. Here's what I know for sure. I'm a, oh, well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm a bit nervous, like Bron said this morning. I'm a bit nervous that, that this becomes a blip and people drift back into business as usual without any change. I'm also very excited. I'm very excited about the, the potential and, and the possibility and that if people will make change that it can be powerful in their, in their life. I'm, I'm, I'm enthused and excited about that. I'm passionate about us in this season making the kind of changes that really set us up for our future and not just our future. That would be to diminish what I'm talking about, but our God-appointed, your God-appointed future. And we want to talk about that tonight. So with all of this in mind, repositioning for our God-appointed future. I can tell you over this series, even before it began, I've been praying that a revolution goes on in us, that a revolution goes on in me, revolution goes on in, in you. I pray, you might be sitting there tonight and going, Darren, yeah, I'm not sure if a revolution is going to go on in me. No, that's precisely who I'm praying for. The kind of people who, whatever their history says up until this moment, that God would reach through the screen, He would reach into your lounge room, He would get a hold of your heart, and He would bring about a revolution in you. And this is how confident I am that God will work that in you, is that you're going to need courage to stick for the next few weeks. It's going to take courage. Hey, men, just when you go to the mirror tonight, just look yourself in the mirror and say, this is a time for courage. Ladies, when you look in the mirror tonight, first of all, you look way better than you're judging yourself by, but also remember that this is going to take courage. But if you will go the journey in this Back to the Future series, you are going to make decisions that are pivotal in your life and that set up your future, and not just your future, but your God-appointed future. So with all that in mind, let me bring you to it. Let me come to positioning our life for our God point of future because it's a repositioning of your life and mine that will cause cause to grow in our heart and for a fire to stir in our soul. It's a kind of positioning that de develops every ounce of our God-given potential. And it's a kind of positioning that sets us up to fulfill every appointed purpose in our God-appointed future. That's what we have in mind. That's what can go on as you and I set up for the future that God has for us. So do you really want to go back to business as usual? Was it really that hot in the first place? Or do you want to come out of this ready to go after what God calls you to? Over the next few weeks in this Back to the Future series, we're going to come to a series of decisions. And I'm telling you, they will be pivotal in your life and in setting up your future in the best possible way. Something can go on in this series that repositions your life forever. And I'm just praying that you'll be up for it. I pray you'll look in that mirror and go, I am up for it. I am up for what's about to take place. Now, if you're not there yet, you're like, Darren, I'm not even sure I believe in God. If you're not there yet, that's okay. You, there, there are going to be powerful principles in here, biblical principles that really help your life. But, but I want to be honest with you as well. As powerful as those principles are, 
there's a God component that when the biblical principle and the God of power, when they come together, it becomes transformative. And that's what I'm praying that you will come to. Start with the principles, but I'm praying that somewhere along this journey, God would bring you to the place where you would not only put the principles to work, but you would trust with everything in the principle giver. There is where something powerful can go on in your life. Something can go on in that space. So here's where we stand right now. In this moment, here's where we stand. We stand in the place where every believer on the planet has once stood or will stand, where every believer in God who's ever lived has once stood, where their life is full of potential and has the invitation to position for God a point of future. And the reality is that not everybody will go there, but many, many have and many, many are. And if you might say, well, I'm there. And if you are there, I want to talk to you about the fringes of your life. Because what we're looking at in this series, we'll, we'll talk to the core and it'll speak to the fringes. And, and, and so if you're there, don't you now, I want you to come on the journey because we're going to hit on a fringe somewhere, something tucked away that not everybody can see. But if you're not there, maybe at the core, we're gonna, this series is going to speak to you in a way. Listen to this, Jude, uh, Jude, John chapter 19 and verse 10, we're going to read it in a moment. And this is where we start our series. This is what launches it and guides it. This is what you're going to need to, this message tonight is what you're going to need to come to each week as we look at a series of things. John chapter 19 and verse 10 says, Potiphar's speaking and he says this to Jesus, uh, not Potiphar, Pontius Pilate. I might just call him PP for the rest of the time together. PP says this to Jesus, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you. Now that is serious power. Jesus, do you not understand that as I sit here in my elevated position, I have the authority to determine whether you live or whether you die. PP got it. He got that he possessed power in his position. He, he had incredible power um, placed upon him from Caesar that gave him decision-making authority in his realm. And you know, that's exactly what God's given you. It's what he's given me. He's given us incredible power to choose the way we live. He's given us incredible power to make decisions in this life. Incredible power that he's placed in our hands. And that's what I want to start with. What will you do with your power to choose? What will you do with it? With your power to choose? It's the thing that launches and guides us. With your power to choose over the next few weeks, you get to reposition, in your, reposition your life that sets you up for your future. But not only that, for your God-appointed future. Our power to choose has shaped our life to this very moment. And it's going to shape our life into the future. It's going to do that. It already has. It's not everything. Obviously, circumstances and some things beyond our control have shaped where we are in this moment. But also, the, the power to choose has shaped a whole lot of our life where it sits in this moment. And our life will be shaped by the power to choose as we step out from this moment into our future. A power to choose is an incredible gift. It really is. I don't know if you stop to think about it. I remember being a kid and how my power to choose my bedtime grew as I got older. 
You know, you went to school and everybody said they were allowed to stay up as late as they want, but really you knew that most of you had to go to bed at eight or 8.30 or nine or 9.30. But as you got older, you got the power to choose. And it was so good. What's interesting is kids spend their life trying to stay up late. And as a parent, you find yourself trying to just get to bed on time. It's, uh, the whole thing shifts as you get the power to choose. Um, our power to choose is an incredible gift. I've written it like this. It's this generous, high-risk decision of God to place in our hands this sacred and powerful gift of free will. Our power to choose. It's this high-risk plan of God to place this sacred and powerful gift, free will, in our hands. God takes his hands off and gives us complete control of our will. That's an incredible gesture by a loving God. God created humans with the ability to determine outcomes, to shape the future, to call on him or to reject him, to live half-hearted for him or to go hard after him. He gave us free will to do it all. And some have chosen their free will to do evil. And some have chosen free will to just waste their lives. Some have chosen free will to just live essentially for themselves and their stuff. And then some people will choose free will to live noble, holy, worthy, cause-driven lives and position their lives for the purposes of God, to live in a godly way and to see his will done. Here's a thought. The power base for what's possible is always in God's hands. But positioning for it is firmly in ours. The power base of what's possible for every believer is in God's hands. But the power to position for it is put firmly in ours. Oh, your life has incredible potential, so much more potential than most of us ever fathom. This God-given gift of choice in your life and mine, there is cause he calls you to. There is calling upon your life and what becomes of it hinges and rises out of what we will do with the power of choice. Then so here's the next heading. Our power to choose makes decisions, ours to make and ours to own. Our power, sorry, our, our power to choose, sorry, our power to choose makes decisions that are ours to make and ours to own. Um, there's a book, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Extreme Ownership. One of the um, authors is a guy called uh, Leif Babin, I think is his name. He, he's a military guy. And he got involved in a scenario where he was a leader in charge. It's called a blue-on-blue blue scenario. It means that they were fighting a battle scene. I think it was in Afghanistan or Iraq. They're fighting in, a, you know, in, in war and it's blue on blue, that means that they were actually shooting at their own countrymen. They thought it was the enemy, and actually they were laying siege on a building that was actually their own soldiers, their own side. And people were wounded in that, and the story goes on, and, and Leif Babin is the man in charge. He was the one who made the decision, and he needed to own it. He was responsible. In his book, he talks about how in the military, you make decisions and you own them. 
You, you don't get the option of making a decision and then blaming it on others. No, the, the decision comes back to the person in charge. And when it comes to your life and when it comes to mine, we individually, personally, are the people in charge. And that's an incredible power when we take hold of it. Our decisions, our choices, are, they're ours to make. Thank God for that. And they're also ours to own. And I think that's so important in our lives that we recognise that they are ours to make and they, they are ours to own. All of us have the chance to make choices, big, small, right, wrong, wise, foolish, all kinds of choices. Every priority worked in and every activity squeezed out is your choice to make and your choice to own. Every attitude, response, inaction, um, posture, position, decision, positive action, every direction, it's, it's yours to choose and it's yours to to own. Sometimes it's about a singular decision that is pivotal in our life. It's ours to choose and it's ours to own. Sometimes it's about the accumulative effect of decisions over the course of time, whatever it is, it's ours to choose and it's ours to own. It's mine to choose in my life and yours to choose in your life. It's mine to own in my life and it's yours to own in your life. The friends we have, the places we live, the passions we pursue, the future we build, ours to choose and ours to own. No excuses, no reasoning, no looking out the window to blame. It's in the mirror. I'm choosing it and I'm owning it. Think about it. Since time began and across the ages, this has been going on. Oh, there's these three generations of God's people and, and in, back to back they live and in the first generation they have this incredible promise of God they have this God appointed future and, and what happens is they waste it they just waste it they get caught up in their stuff and, and more interested in comfort than cause and they waste it away I mean they see the supernatural but they're like supernatural moments scattered amongst a life that's wasted and then, and then you move to the third generation in the third generation they are the recipients of blessing and favour and what has been established. And it's a predictable and tragic story of waste as they choose to enjoy all the comforts that God has blessed them with and, and all the good that has been struggled for and won for them by their parents. And, and, and they waste it. They, they, they have a religious practice, but they're just tapping on the religious practice while they just do their own thing build their life of comfort. But, but in between, in between is a generation who stood up and pursued the God-appointed future for their lives. They pioneered and they took on the frontiers and they established territory and they set up everything and they took hold of promises that other generations had not taken hold of and that future generations wouldn't take hold of, but they were different. They made choices. In fact, all three generations made choices, but the middle generation, they made them and they owned them and they positioned their life for what was possible with God. That's where we stand tonight and in this moment. So let me read to you from Matthew chapter 7, verse 19. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, speaking of Jesus. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas or Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who you called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. He said, why? 
What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and he said, I am, an innocent, uh, I am innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. I want us to think about this um, tonight uh, as we, we, we try and bring this to a close and as you think about owning your decisions. Pilate, there's an image of a Roman, um, like a Roman court, the kind of court that uh, Potiphar would have sat in. And you'll see that there's, at the center of it is the seat, the seat of authority where, where um, Pontius, not Potiphar, where Pontius sat. And everybody's in submission to Pontius Pilate. And Jesus is before him. And Pontius acknowledges that while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, he recognized where he was and he recognized he had his authority. But then what does he say? He says this, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. He took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. And he said, this decision is not on me. And what we know is that the decision was completely on him. He had to leave his seat of authority to walk to the basin to symbolically wash his hands and say, this is not on me. But the opposite was true. In fact, later Jesus will say, you are complicit and yet one sin's greater than you. Pilate knew, Pontius Pilate knew in his heart that he was the man who had the power of authority, the power to choose. And in his washing of his hands, he might have appeased his conscience and he might have been eased by the crowd's cheering, but he knew. He knew that he was in authority. In fact, we see it in that verse where we started in John chapter 19 and verse 10. He, he says, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? He might have washed his hands, but he knew he was the person who sat in the seat of authority. He made a decision, but he didn't own it. He made a decision, but he didn't own it. You know, I see this kind of regularly. You see it in, in the lives of believers making decisions without owning them. Blame it on external things. I'm too busy. I can't deal with the hypocrites. It's just I got burned somewhere in the past. I could go on and on and on. But no, the decision is ours to make and then it's ours to own. So let's be the kind of people who make decisions that are powerful and profound and uh, build our future and position us for what's possible with God. Let's be those kinds of people. Let's be the kinds of people who take charge in the authority that God has given us and then who step into our God-appointed future. I love it. So many people who make bold, fearless, faithful, faith-filled, risky, you know, godly decisions that step out in faith, that step out into God-appointed promise, who step out on visions that God has placed in their heart and inspired in their spirit. Those kinds of people who will make decisions and then own them and step into them. People who will stand more than all of that on God's word, who will make decisions and own them. I reckon today, what we want to get done in this moment as I wrap this is I want us to determine that in the coming weeks that we are going to make decisions and own them that set up our God-appointed future, that there will be at no point, at some point, all of us are going to be tempted to 
say, you know what? It's not on me. I'm not ready. It's not time. This is not the right church. This is not the right season. Darren, you don't know what's happened to me in my past. This is not on me. I'll wash my hands of this. But no, the power to choose is in our hands. We sit in the seat of authority over the decisions and the choices we get to make. So hey, let's be the kind of people that come to the next few weeks and go, whatever is coming, I'm going to position my life for my God-appointed future. God, I'm in your hands. Let's go for this as we come out of isolation and as the future begins to open, I'm going to be the kind of person who positions my life for what is possible with God. In Jesus' name, amen and God bless you. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.